Well, good evening, Grace Church. Welcome, welcome. So glad to see everyone here tonight. Have you ever, have you ever driven through um, Raising Cane's and they come on the speaker and say, hey, 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 want some chicken today? <laughs> yeah, they say that as well. Hey, hot chicken, what you picking? Hey, 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 want some chicken today? So I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, hey, 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 welcome to Grace Church today. Even though it's tonight. Hey, 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 is everything all right? Welcome to Grace Church tonight. I don't know. I just came up with that on the fly. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Those joining us on Facebook Live and live stream, so glad you've chosen to be part of our service tonight, and we know you'll be blessed by it. Um, before we stand and pray, let me just remind you of a couple things. I know uh, we've been announcing uh, the leadership weekend and the ministry of Dr. Ray Cooper coming up. Well, it's almost here, <laughs> so... Uh, this weekend is the weekend, and we are so excited about uh, what is in store for our church uh, this coming weekend. Certainly, remember leadership. Uh, that's the leadership dinner uh, Friday uh, at 7 p.m., and um, uh, Dr. Cooper will be talking to our leaders in that session. Uh, our leaders will be blessed by that. But then on Saturday, there's two sessions, one at 10 o'clock on anxiety and then check this out, a second topic at 11 o'clock on genera breaking generational trauma and, and kind of family issues along that line. So that's new. We have not announced that quite like that before. I want you to take a note. 10 o'clock Saturday morning on anxiety, 11 o'clock on breaking generational trauma. And, uh, as you, and then on, on Sunday in the 11 o'clock service talking about depression and oppression. So as you can see, we're going to benefit greatly from this ministry this weekend of, of Dr. Ray Cooper. It's going to be a tremendous, tremendous weekend. Make plans to attend as much of that as you can. Uh, just, just so important. We're excited about this. This is a, a wonderful offering that our church is offering to you. And uh, it's, it's just it's to help us, to equip us, to make us better in every way, in our walk with God and with our, in our family life, and um, just just excited about this. So put that on your calendar. I also want to mention that the 21 Days of Sacrifice will has begun, and it will go all the way through March the 10th. So thank you for your participation there and being a part of that. We're going to see great things in the very near future, I believe. We're already seeing great things. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Stand with me. Before Pastor comes for Bible study, we do want to take a moment to pray as we like to do on Wednesday nights. We're going to invite God's presence in to this place, pray for his anointing and his help. And then also as we pray, let's remember Sister Sarah Tomlinson uh, asked for prayer uh, just before church, uh, asked that the church would call her name when we pray. So let's do that, Grace Church, together right now. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you today. God, you have been so good. Lord, you've been good to me. You've been good to my family. You've been good to our church. Lord, we stand here tonight a blessed people, a blessed people. And we thank you for it, Jesus. We praise you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for leading us and guiding us and ordering our steps. Anoint what is done here tonight on campus. Anoint pastor as he teaches. Anoint kids' church in that ministry as it goes forth today, tonight. Lord, anoint our campus. Let the Holy Ghost flow. Touch Sister Sarah, we pray, to the glory of God. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God bless you, Grace Church. Remain standing. Clap your hands to Jesus as pastor comes to the pulpit. Thank you, Brother Dave, and praise the Lord, everybody. It's great to see you all tonight. You may be seated. Thank you. Uh, we're excited to be here tonight, and uh, I'm excited about uh, jumping into our Bible study. And uh, But before I do, I want to welcome everybody, and uh, thank you so very much for being here tonight. And uh, I trust and hope that the service tonight, our presentation, is a blessing to you. And uh, we're going to launch a new series tonight. And uh, But before I do that, um, Eli, if you can put that screen, that slide back up for, uh, it'll be up in just a moment. Um, we are excited about uh, Dr. Rhea Cooper being with us this weekend, as Brother Dave has already announced. And I'm excited about what, she has to say and uh, what she will be presenting and uh, I would don't want to re-announce all of that I just would like to really urge you folks to take advantage of it and uh, 
we very rarely do anything like this on a Saturday. Uh, and I know everybody's busy and what have you, but I would really love to urge you to come. And uh, when she and I talked a, a week or so ago uh, that she wanted to do her second s segment on uh, generational uh, family-related trauma, that just really grabbed my attention because I know uh, a lot of families deal with that. Uh, as a matter of fact, I don't really know, to be honest with you, too many that don't in one way or another. And so I want to urge you to come be a part of that. It could give you a perspective on maybe things that you've experienced in your family, something you've never thought of before that would help you uh, deal and cope with that. But I've asked them to put this slide back those of you that will, I'm going to ask you to take out your phone and take a picture of that. Zoom in the best you can. And uh, if you have any social media, uh, ha, 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 everybody here does, right? Uh, if you don't mind, if you would post that and invite all of your friends on social media to come and be a part of that, just to help us get word out. Um, and I've deliberately waited till tonight to ask you to do that perhaps some of you already have at least go to our church uh, social media and you'll see it there uh, just share it uh, share it with as many people as you can we're really reaching out to our community as well this is not just for Grace Church on Saturday it's for our community for your friends and family churched and unchurched uh, this will help uh, everybody in one way or another so uh, take advantage of it, and uh, certainly let her coming be a blessing to you. She's such a wonderful person, and uh, has a wonderful personality, and uh, just a, she, she's incredibly kind, uh, very considerate, a very compassionate woman. And I think you all, if you've not met her, you all will love her and respect her like we do. So thank you very much for that. Let's jump into our Bible study tonight. Uh, for the past couple of Wednesday nights, I've talked to you about uh, character and uh, the, the purpose of it, what it's about, and all of that. Tonight, I want to up that, uh, if you will, and I want to talk to you tonight, and I, I'd like to give this title, and it's, it's material that you've heard, but it's been a while. Uh, I want to talk to you tonight for a little while about why holiness, why Everybody say, why? Have y'all ever wondered about the, uh, the state of Wyoming? Uh, that nobody has ever answered that question about Wyoming? Uh, I need to give up on these things, right? Is that... Is, the, the, the response is, uh, but anyway, so technically the name of the state is Oming, and everybody's just asked Wyoming, and nobody's answered that question, and they never moved away from it. Anyway, I don't know that historically, but it sounds pretty good. Uh, but I want to talk to you tonight for a little while about why holiness, and uh, we'll continue this series for the next uh, several Wednesday nights until we complete it, Lord willing. The writer of Hebrews said, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. If you want a why, if you want an answer to why, you have it in that verse. But I want to give you a few more. 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 29. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. We are commanded to do that. Give unto the Lord the glory due. Do unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. And worship the Lord in the beauty of grace and mercy and thanksgiving and appreciation. And that God understands me and that God understands my family and God's going to accept me just the way I am or whatever. That's not what it says. We are to worship the Lord. It's interesting that this is dialogue between Solomon and God. And the temple of Solomon is in the forefront of Solomon's mind and, and what have you. 
and as we've taught in our adult class, the Tabernacle of Moses was just a conduit through which they could worship God, but they had to worship him from a standpoint of not him being good to them. They had to worship him from a standpoint of being holy and clean and pure and totally obedient and totally submitted to his commandments. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 21, the Bible said, And when he had consulted with the people, that is Solomon, he anointed singers unto the Lord, and that should praise the beauty of holiness. That word that means to be clear, to shine, to make a show, to boast, and thus to be glamorously foolish, to rave, to celebrate. So he appointed singers unto the Lord and they, they needed to be clear that they were to shine, they were to make a show, they were to boast, they were to be glamorously foolish, they were to rave, they were to celebrate. The beauty of holiness. God wanted them to be excited about the fact that they had an opportunity to be holy as God defines the word holy. And then in Psalm 29 verse 2, give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Psalms 96 verse 9, oh worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The Bible goes on and on and on with a theme like that. So we are to not only live holy, but we are to worship the Lord in the beauty of it. In the beauty of that. Nothing else. That. Worship him in the beauty of holiness. You worship him through the conduit of holiness. So I want to speak to you for a little while tonight about why holiness. Again, the writer of Hebrews said, to follow peace with all men. This is the success of our relationship with others. This gives, gives us success, if you will, in the sight of God in our relationship with men. To follow peace with all men, not to be bitter, not to hate on people, that kind of thing, but follow peace with all men and holiness. So the first part of that, follow peace with all men, is our relationship with one another. And holiness is our relationship with God. That's the difference. You're not holy to impress your fellow man, even though there's a part of it that includes that. We'll come to that later. But bottom line, you're not holy to please others. You're holy to please God. Period. Everybody said amen. So to follow him, to follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see. Those two words shall see means to gaze with wide open eyes as at something remarkable and does not mean with simply voluntary observation or merely mechanical, passive or casual vision, but still more emphatically with intense, earnest, and more continued inspection. That's what shall see means. The Bible, this Bible-based material is for everyone who has a desire to serve God, but more but more so a desire to please God. I will submit to everybody here tonight, and this may or may not hurt your feelings, but if you love God, you will desire to please Him. You will not want to negotiate with Him on how we can work things out because I'm not pleasing you. If you really love Him, and I'm going to give you a basis for that in a few minutes, uh, but if you really love him, you will desire, you will want to please him. So this Bible-based material is, is for everyone who has a desire to please God. Let me mention here at Grace Church, um, I don't know of a better way to say this. Brother Dave might could give me one if I ask him. Uh, Brother Jason probably could if I ask him. But there's three levels, if you will, 
there's three categories, maybe that's a better word, that people can attend Grace Church. First of all, we have attenders, and that can be anybody. And you don't have to do anything except not be destructive. Uh, but if you want to attend, you can come just as you, how you are. We don't judge here. We don't compare ourselves among ourselves. The Bible teaches against that. So that's one category in which you can uh, uh, come to Grace Church. A second part is members. Uh, we ask you to believe our doctrine, our apostolic doctrine, which is repentance, water baptism in the name of Jesus, the infilling of the baptism of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in other tongues. We ask you to have obeyed that, received that, to be faithful and pay your tithes. Um, and that gives you the awesome opportunity and privilege to vote in our church business meetings. But if you want to be in leadership, if you want to have that proverbial title behind your name that we've been talking about the past couple of weeks, if you want that, then we ask you, of course, to believe and obey Acts 2.38, one God, faithful tithe, and then we ask you to embrace the biblical teaching of holiness. And we have a class for that. And if you want to be in leadership, you must go through that class and then sign a little piece of paper that say you agree with it. Uh, so that's how we do that. If you want to serve on a serve team, you need to go through the leadership class and what have you. So it is a necessity for all church leadership here at Grace Church to agree to understand and believe that, if you will. Um, but more than that, I believe every Christian should have that desire to be holy. God said, be ye holy. Why? For I am holy. So you must be open to the word of God and have a spirit of willingness, desire, and obedience. And I, 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 I would to God. Some people frown on, frown on that statement, but I'm just trying to emphasize the seriousness of what I'm talking about. This isn't based on your prior church upbringing or what your mom and daddy did and what a pastor, three pastors ago did, whatever. I'm saying that in all due respect. You called your relationship with God out of the Bible. Not what other people have done, not what other people did or didn't do. It comes from the Word of God. So I hope we all understand that. And if you're willing, if you have a desire, if you're obedient, if you love God, you will desire to please him. You'll have a desire to please him. This isn't, God didn't present this as fear-based. It's not guilt-based. It's not manipulation-based. Jesus said straight up, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's what he asked. <clears throat> Let's talk about the concept for holiness. I believe all of us believe that in John 3, 5, uh, you must be born again of water and spirit, Jesus said. We believe that that is an important and essential teaching. Uh, without the new birth or being born again, the Bible is very clear, you won't, you will not enter the kingdom of God. So if we believe, and I believe everybody here does, believes that John 3, 5 is an important and essential teaching of the word of God, then what would make Hebrews 12, 14 not an important and essential teaching when he says to follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. What would make this, the, the scriptures I read prior in First Chronicles and Psalms about worshiping the Lord and the beauty of holiness, what would make those scriptures optional? Where God said, be ye holy for I am holy, what would make that scripture uh, unimportant and optional? The new birth, as we understand, is an entrance to the kingdom of God. Jesus said, if you're not born of the water and spirit, you will not enter into the kingdom of God. So it's an entrance. Everybody say entrance. Okay, once you're in the kingdom of God, then it becomes a pathway that you walk. From here to heaven. You'll, all of us will, believe it or not, will eventually die or be raptured. That's the fate for everybody here tonight. There's no exceptions to that rule. So from here to heaven, 
whichever pathway you go at the very end, between here and that moment, between here and that event, there's a pathway that the Bible teaches us to live every day. It is based on our love for God. And if you want to please God, you'll do that. I believe that the principles of holiness are the same everywhere. I want everybody to listen. My fifth grade teacher used to say say all the time, set up straight, both feet on the floor. I add to that, listen with both ears. A lot of people here in stereo. You're listening to me out of one ear and something else out of the other ear. So try to listen with both ears. Holiness in the Bible, I don't believe, is a doctrine. Let me explain. Don't anybody pass out and walk out right now. Let me explain. Give me a minute. Acts 2.38 is a doctrine that has to be obeyed if you plan to go to heaven. It's the way I understand the Bible. But holiness, because of our, all of our world cultures, um, because of the way things have evolved throughout the years, in the past 2,000 years that the Bible has essentially been in existence, um, because of cultures, oftentimes there can be different applications of holiness. And I'll give you an example that we have understood and, and missionaries made a mistake, especially like in the 1960s, they'd leave America and go to their field of labor and they would try to Americanize those people. And I've had many conversations with many missionaries about it. Uh, it's not my words, it's their words. They'd try to make them like Americans. In other words, not only do you need to quit your living your life of sin and convert and be born again, but now you need to be like an American if you're going to go to heaven. And they realized the error of that. And so they learned how to teach holiness based on that country's culture. I want everybody to think about that. So if you live in a jungle of South America, or if you live in some remote part of of Africa, or... Any, any country that has a very tropical, a very hot climate, I can promise you that a missionary from Alaska or Greenland or Newfoundland is going to have a hard time getting the people in those places, he's going to have a hard time getting them to embrace his standard of holiness because cultures are different. Even when you get into Asian countries, Japan, China, the Philippines, uh, Vietnam, etc., They have a very set culture. So God designed the principles of holiness to work in every country. He knew that every person could repent, be water baptized, and receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking other tongues. But their culture would be, he made holiness work and holiness to be acceptable in whatever culture you lived in. So we have now come to understand that the application of the principles of holiness because of culture and even traditions vary from continent to continent. So again, the concepts and principles of holiness are the same everywhere you go, but the way we observe it may be different based on the culture and so on. So I thank God that there's certainly far more people smarter than I am But the ministry through the years, putting all of these things together on a worldwide basis, have come up with three words that makes holiness so easy for people to understand. And I'll present those words to you. They are modesty, moderation, and distinction. Modesty, moderation, and distinction. The Bible teaches modesty for male and female. It does. And uh, the Bible also teaches to be moderate, don't flaunt being wealthy, neither do you flaunt being a pauper. Be moderate, be as moderate as you can, do everything in moderation. And then there's a distinction between the sexes, and God made it that way, and the Bible is very clear 
on these things. So modesty, moderation, and distinction are essential and are often based on the culture or tradition of a particular culture. Uh, so there are Bible-based standards which are a minimum requirement. There are Bible-based holiness standards. Let me explain the word standard. Let me explain where, you, where I'm coming from. I'm not talking about standards based on another church culture. I want to use the word more broadly. When you go to work at McDonald's or you go to work at Burger King or Sonic, Walmart, you're going to wear a uniform because that is their standard, right? If you want to work there, you can't walk into the manager and say, this is stupid and it's ugly and McDonald's needs to just love me the way I am and let me wear whatever I want to wear. No, you're going to wear that silly hat. I don't know if they're silly anymore. I'm understanding now if you can find one, they're going on for sale on eBay for a pretty good price is what I understand. Somebody's told me that. That's the kind of standard I'm talking to, talking about. So when you enter into a relationship with God, the Bible gives to us a minimum standard, if you will. And if you feel like there's other things in your life that are a hindrance to you and your relationship with God and loving Him the way you should, whether it's biblical or not, you can give that up if you want to. For example, if you think driving a car is offensive to God, then you're welcome to buy you a horse or walk. I meant that to be a joke. Y'all are looking at me like I can't believe he just said that. Oh, my goodness, because I've been feeling a conviction. <laughs> I don't think anybody here has arrived at that point. Um, but the, God gives us a, a minimum requirement. So as your relationship with God develops, you may develop personal convictions. You just have to be careful not to impose them on others. So it's important that we stay open to God. Why? Because the more you develop your relationship with God through holiness, the more of God you will see. The more of God you will understand. The more of God will make you more excited as we went through a little while ago, according to Hebrews 12, 14. So I believe everybody here agrees, listen very carefully, that every that the fruit of the Spirit, not fruits, it's one fruit of the Spirit divided into nine parts. The first three have to do with our relationship with God. The second three have to do with our relationship with others. The third three has to do with our relationship with ourselves. Okay. The fruit of the Spirit divided into nine parts is our measuring tape, if you will, for our attitude, for our spirit, for our relationship with God. That's the standard on how you act and conduct yourself and so on in this world. And if you truly have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you should manifest the fruit of the Spirit. It's an essential part of discipleship. The fruit of the Spirit is an essential part of discipleship. In other words, if you have anger issues, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost can help you deal with that if you'll let it. And, and help you through that, right? So uh, we understand that. So the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, and peace, etc., is essential part of discipleship. But so also is holiness. The fruit of the Spirit helps us manifest the presence of the Lord in our life to one another. Holiness helps us manifest our relationship with God to Him. The fruit of the Spirit is a wonderful thing. But our relationship with God is not based on that. It's based on holiness. If you have the fruit of the Spirit right, living holy is easier because you see more of God and it makes it easier. So the Bible said to follow peace with all men. It's the fruit of the Spirit, a relationship with man. And holiness, or Christian lifestyle, is our relationship with God. The word follow is to pursue it means in the scripture, the word following the scripture means to pursue or maintain a lifelong desire. Everybody, please listen. Please listen. All you old, old saints of God, people older than me that are here tonight, please listen. Holiness is not what's perfected in our life. 
God is in our life and holiness is a result of it. Everybody's been taught, 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 taught. You got to be holy. And there are areas of, of apostolic churches that I know of that have literally made an idol out of worship, out of holiness, and they worship that more than they worship God. I'm holy, I'm holy, I'm holy. I live this way, I live this way, I do this, I don't do that, I'm this, I'm that, I've da 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 da. And they never mention God. It's all the way about me and how I look in reflection to what the scripture teaches. Jesus addressed a group of people like that in his ministry. And they thought they were fair, but they left off the I see. You're not fair, I see. You're a Pharisee. And you think everything you do on the outside. Jesus said you're a whited sepulcher. You're a beautiful tombstone. But on the inside of you, you're full of dead men's bones. Everybody listen. Holiness is not attaining to a point. Holiness is not attaining to a certain destination. It's something we live on a daily basis until we die or till we raptured. And I wish everybody could understand that. And everybody is going to fail in one way or another. We're not perfect. I went through that the other day in a sermon or Bible study I was talking about. Uh, we're not perfect because we're without error. We're perfect because we're in alignment with the plan of God. That's perfection. Amen? Y'all on board? Three? Okay. Peter said in his epistle in 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. That word conversation means lifestyle, conduct, and behavior. Be holy in all manner. When you're at church, when you're not at church. When you're not at church and you're on vacation. When you're in the privacy of your home. When you're the only one at home. When everybody else is sleeping, you still be holy. Because it is written, he said, be ye holy, for I am holy. Holiness is not our God. We're holy because of God. So let me give you three reasons to be holy, and they're very simple. Number one is to please God. Whether we realize it or not, whether what, it doesn't matter what you think about God or not on this point. We belong to God. We belong to God via creation. The Bible said in Ezekiel 18 verse 4, God said, Behold, all souls are mine. They're mine. They belong to me. As the soul of the Father, so also is the soul of, of the Son is mine. And the soul that sins will die. So we belong to God by creation. We also belong to God by redemption. Man sinned and God redeemed him or bought him back. I've used this illustration before, but my mother used to collect S&H green stamps. And she could redeem them. She could make them come to life and give them value at the S&H green stamp store. And for a long time, I had a little old fake brass table. It was plated brass. It looked like brass, but it was just plated. And it had a little fake wooden top on it. It looked wooden, but it was fake. So the whole thing was, I had a hypocrite in my bedroom is what I'm saying. As, but she bought that for me, and I forgot how many books of S&H green stamps it took to purchase that thing. But my mother honored my labor because we would sit at the kitchen table sometimes when she would collect a bunch of them and we'd sit down together and I would lick S&H green stamps until my tongue was raw and tasted disgusting in my mouth and help her put all of those stamps in those books. It's redemption. She had redeemed them. When Jesus died on the cross, he redeemed us and through his redemption of our soul, we belong to him. The Bible said, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, What? Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. 
Wherefore you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. They belong to God. So you don't own yourself. God owns you. So he owns you through creation. He owns you through redemption. Everything we are, everything we possess belongs to God. I love the old song that James Downs used to sing years ago when I was a kid at the first church. Remind me, remind me, everything that I own, it's borrowed. It's not mine at all, so remind me of that. So we, we want to live holy because we want to please God. The second reason we do it is actually it is for others. We want to see people's lives changed as a result of them seeing our life. We are epistles read by all men, right? So if becoming a Christian doesn't change your life, then what's the point becoming one? And there's a lot of good church folks that I'd like to ask that question because your church hasn't changed you much. Um, amen. I'll leave that right there and we'll move on. If people do not see a change in us, then why pursue a lifestyle of Christianity? And I want to say to our sweet Walmart Pentecostals, as I like to refer to Walmart Pentecostals, um, when you walk around Walmart, try to smile once in a while. And, and if you dress like we dress, Pentecostal-ish, when you go to Walmart, please dial it up just a little bit. Move, dial up the notch. I'm being as kind as I can. You want to represent Jesus properly. Everybody say amen. Oh, goodness. Sister Murphy and I, this past Sunday, we went to lunch and um, after church. I've never had this happen to me before. We went to a restaurant, and Sister Murphy's here, and she will vouch for what I'm saying, and I'm not going to exaggerate it. Our waitress, our waiter, excuse me, his name is Frank. He walked up to our table, and he said, I feel a power here right now. I'm telling you the truth. And I've got 80 million things going on in my head from the service, and I, it just I was completely blind, blindsided and dumbfounded. I didn't know what to say. And so we gave him our drink order and uh, got our food. And so Sister Murph said, what are you going to say? I said, I'm processing. I don't know what he meant by that. And uh, so I sat there and sat there, and it just kind of, changed the whole trajectory of our lunch. I mean, I thought I was going to relax for a few minutes and go home and get my recliner, but now this guy's kicked my brain back into gear, and I want to know what he meant by that. And so I waited till we paid our bill. I took as long as I could, and Sister Murph and I talked about it. And so when he brought me back my credit card, I was thankful the credit card machine took it and didn't decline it. That wouldn't have been very powerful. Um, anyway, uh, so he came back to our table, and I said, what did you mean when you walked up and he said, I feel something powerful? He said, there was a group of people that came in. He said, I was standing behind the counter where the concierge and the hostess stands and said, y'all came in right behind them. And he said, uh, there was just something that swept all over me and I can't explain it. I can't describe it. And he said, I started looking for somebody that I thought maybe it's them that's causing me to feel this way. And he said, you folks came in behind them, a little while behind them, and he said I had to go to the kitchen and do some work. He was a waiter, of course, and he said I went in the kitchen, and when I walked back out into the dining room area, he said I felt it again, and he said I told one of my coworkers, I'm feeling a power here, and I can't explain it, and he said I'm, I'm looking around, looking around, and he said when I walked up to your, your table, he said it has to be them, and um uh, I said, well, are you a religious person? And he said, yeah, for the past couple of weeks when I'm off on Sunday. Uh, he didn't give me the name of a church, but he told me his pastor and only his first name. And I, I didn't know him, but he said, I've been going to a church a couple of weeks, actually in Central. And I said, really? I said, well, I pastor a church and told him who we were, where we were, and what have you. And he immediately, we gave him a card, a church card, and he began rubbing his arm. Sister Murphy will tell you, started he said, I've got chills all over me. And I just thought it was very interesting. I've got chills running all over me right now talking about it. I just thought that's the most interesting thing that's ever happened. And I've never thought to be powerful in that way. 
that somebody in my presence would feel the presence of the Lord. I'm, 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 I'm being, I'm very proud that I'm being humble here, and uh, it just completely caught me off guard. But it reminded me that I believe there's a difference in Christianity when it's apostolic based, and when it's based on other beliefs and dogmas and doctrines and what have you. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So we must be holy for the sake of people around us. By living a holy, moral, righteous, and clean life, we show people an alternative to unclean, immoral, and the unhappy unhappy life and lifestyle of sin. And then the third reason we want to be holy is for ourselves. Let me make this very clear to everybody in the building. No matter what you think of holiness, you listen to pastor. And if you don't hear anything I say tonight, I want you to hear this. I didn't say it. I'm just the mailman. If you want to see God one day, you'll have to be born again. And you'll have to live holy. Those are the two things. Born again. If you're not, nobody will see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God there is not necessarily heaven. It's God's kingdom on earth, the kingdom of God. For the Holy Ghost is not meat and drink and so on, but being full of the Holy Ghost. So, and holiness becomes a byproduct of having God in your life. So if you want to see God, you'll live holy. We're not made to live in sin. Creation establishes that. I'd like us, all of our men especially, and there's some lady folks here tonight that will understand, that if you buy a piece of equipment and it comes with instructions that say something like to be used only in accordance with the manufacturer's specification. I have seen this numerous times all of my life. As you have this fellow that has not read the instructions and he's got a little push more that you have to pull it to start, mowing 20 acres. And you see the moor abandoned out in the middle of the field. Because <laughs> he just burnt that thing up is what he did. He, it's not made for that. We have to understand, folks, our bodies were not created by God to live in sin. It destroys the body. Not just the induction of of chemicals and and drugs and all that stuff like a lot of people do. But bad attitudes can be bad for your health. This has been proven. It's been documented. Uh, You have to use your body in accordance with manufacturer's specification. And if I ignore the instructions and use the equipment other than what it was made for, then I will do harm to the equipment and void the warranty. So when you violate the teachings of the word of God, you do harm to your body because you were not made to live in sin. Let me give you another benefit of living holy. Your insurance premiums will be cheaper. They will. When your insurance guy sells you that extra 100K in life insurance and he asks you all them questions, no, I don't drink, no, I don't smoke, no, I'm not a party animal, no, I don't do this, no, I don't know, okay, we'll give you a better price. Seriously. That does happen, but that's really just a little benefit, whatever. But if you harbor hate and envy and bitterness and jealousy and fear and pride and all of those things, you'll do harm to your body because you were not made to live harboring those kind of feelings. If you live a lifestyle of sinful habits and immorality, you will do harm to your body because you were not made to live in sin. Did you know living a beautiful holiness lifestyle, um, it helps your marriage, it helps your family, it helps your kids? Let me tell all of you younger parents that have kids at home, you can give in to them and let them do little sinful stuff, and it's a gateway drug to bigger sinful stuff and what have you. And you say, well, I'm just tired of fighting with them. Your kids, as a result of being a kid, is going to fight with you over something it don't matter what you do. That's just who kids are. Sorry, you folks up here, but I know Heston Bunch. 
I, I can only imagine what he's like to live like at home. I'm kidding. He's a wonderful man most of the time. Um, can I have just a couple of more minutes? Thank you. Um, three things that enable you to live a holy life. Number one, and I'll go quickly, is faith. The Bible said the just shall live by faith. Not the liberal, not the compromiser. The just shall live by faith. Through our salvation, our salvation comes by God or grace. It comes by God or grace through us, faith. The doctrine of grace means that salvation is a gift of God. You, do, you can't earn it. You don't live good to get God. You get God to live good. You don't work to earn salvation. You are saved, and then the work begins there. We live holy not to get saved, but because we are saved. We do not live by legislation. Our attitude should not be, it's, it's, it's not this. If I do this or that, will I go to hell? That's the wrong way to think. The question is to ask, am I in a faith-based relationship with God? If I am, then I will do whatever it takes to please him. We must be willing to be obedient and submissive. Um, I've got too much left here. We'd be here to 9 o'clock, and I, I don't want that to happen. You're welcome. Uh, let, me, let me stop here. Y'all are used to this on Wednesday night, most of the time anyway, but, but we have a ways to go. I'll get into this next week, maybe the week after, Lord willing. But I've, I've used this illustration before, and I'll use it now again. I'll probably use this two or three more times. But those of you that are married, I love to ask men, are you happily married or just married? And it takes about two or three seconds for that to go around in their head. And if their wife is close by, they always say, happily married. If the wife is not close by, they got to get two answers. I'm happily married. Or, no, I'm just married. So I appreciate the honesty. Anyway, we understand when you get married, I know there's some cultures that the daddy of the groom and the daddy of the bride will arrange that marriage and they marry whether they love each other or not and just hope it works out. We don't do that here. Two people grow up. One of these days, Allison is going to meet Prince Charming and he's going to sweep her heart away. And Sister April will cry and cry, but it won't do any good. She's gone and we just hope it works out. They begin on a love-based relationship, and they tell each other all the time, I love you, I love you, I love you. And they even love each other to the point where one of them's chewing gum, and they'll give it to the other one, and he'll chew it for a while, and they give it back, and you just go back and forth like that. Uh, that's true love right there, man. That is true love. When you only have one piece of gum and you share it, she chews it a while and then gives it to you, and you chew it. It's a loved-based relationship. I don't know about it now, but I know used to. There was a law in Louisiana that it was against the law to commit adultery. And if you go into your marriage law-based, and all you have to worry about is not cheating on your spouse, you're not going to have a very good marriage. But my point tonight is if you go into marriage because you love each other, you will do things for your spouse that you wouldn't do for anybody else. You'll wait on them in a way that you wouldn't wait on anybody else. You will do for th things for them that what have you. Um, it's a love-based relationship. We have a relationship with God, and the Bible teaches that we're his bride. My point tonight, as much as you try to please your spouse in every way you can, if you love God, you'll do the same. It's a love-based thing. It's not that you have to do things that you do when you're married. You call your spouse names that you don't call anybody else oh honey pie sweet darling all of that you don't call everybody else that there are waitresses that do that and they do it to me and it's embarrassing they're walking hey honey can i wait on you i'm not your honey i don't even know you I don't even know your name 
it's kind of embarrassing when that happens. So there's waitresses that do that at certain restaurants. But, but in a love-based relationship, you'll call each other names that you don't call anyone else. It's because you love that person. I submit to you tonight, if you really love God, he can't ask of you too much. His burdens are not grievous, the Bible teaches. And you live holy because it pleases him. So when God asks you, ladies, not to do this, not to do that, or to do this, to do that, if the Bible asks you men to do this or not do that, then you're willing to, to comply not because the Bible teaches it and it is a law and the pastor teaches it and it's our church standards and if you want to be in leadership, you got to do that. No, 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 no. You, you've missed the whole point. I'm answering the question. Why holiness? It's because it is an awesome conduit that God has designed through which you can live to please him. Why? Because you love him. That's it. People want to know why you live like you do. Say, it's because I love God. That's all you need to say. I have given you other answers than that. So we'll pick this up next week. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for being here tonight. It's wonderful to see all of you, those watching on live stream, Facebook Live. Thank you so very much. Uh, God bless you tonight. Let's stand. Let's pray tonight before we uh, dismiss. Let's thank God for his word. Let's thank him for our relationship with him, shall we? Jesus, we love you tonight. Thank you so much. For your kindness, thank you, God, for your mercy, your generosity to us in our lives. And I pray, God, tonight that we would fall in love with you with all of our heart, not because of what you've done for us, but because you're God, because you're holy, because you're this supreme being and you're the only one that can save us. Help us to fall in love with you and then to live our lifestyle accordingly because we love you. God, bless this church. Bless Grace Church. I pray, God, that you keep us in the palm of your hand. We ask it in Jesus' name, and everybody say amen. amen. Leadership, folks, we'll see you Friday night. The others, we'll see you Saturday morning, Sunday morning, what have you. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you for being here tonight.